Welcome to We and Wealth episode number five. I'm your host, Jay. On this week's episode, you already know it. I'll review my green product of the week, give our financial update for the month of August, then I'll jump into our two topics of the day. A little behind the scenes for you. I couldn't find my other cell phone to get my smoke lighter and lighter flick and smoke sound effect. So that one was homegrown, authentic, just for you guys this week. But anyway, our fast topic of the week comes from a question that I've gotten from a few of you guys. What's in my portfolio? Ooh, trust me, it's not nearly as exciting as you think. And then our main topic of the week, the $599,000 lunch. Bring your appetite. So again, welcome to this week's show. As always, if you come to know by now, I hope everyone had a good week. And as usual, mine was nice and calm as I like to keep it. Per usual, I got busy, really busy in the kitchen this week. I cooked a nice restaurant quality reverse seared cast iron ribeye. I cooked some sticky and sweet, um, spicy fried pepper shrimp and a super loaded butter poached lobster baked potato. It was all great. And if you missed any of those, as always, be sure to check them out on my IG at weed underscore and wealth. That's weed underscore A-N-D wealth. Also, I talked a little bit about it last week. Our son had his um, open house for pre-K and this week was his first week in pre-K. It went pretty well. I mean, he was happy. He made friends um, easily and got along well in the class. No problems there, but I'm still not really sold on a curriculum. It just seems like, uh, whatever, seven, eight hours of playtime. Um, so not sold on a curriculum. So changes may be coming soon. So stay tuned. I'll definitely keep you guys updated with that. Now, on to my green product of the week by a long shot. I got more feedback on last week's green topic of the week than I have for any other episode thus far, and I greatly appreciate it. So yeah, this week, I kind of want to follow that same path that I took last week. And again, I'm going to review one strain with two options for you guys to partake. One, of course, is the THC version. And the other, of course, is the non-THC, also known as the CBD version. Now, this strain is near and dear to my heart. It's, it's gotten me through tough times. It's gotten me through through, through just a lot of times. It's, it's given me some great memories. And this strain is, is hella popular, even amongst people who don't smoke. This, pay, this strain may even be the title of one of your favorite movies. The strain I wanted to highlight this week is the sweet and semi-tropical Pineapple Express. Just like I said last week, I love this strain in both the THC and the CBD form. And the aroma, yeah, I said the aroma of Pineapple Express is very tropical, as the name would suggest, but I wouldn't really necessarily say it's pineapple. It's kind of like a mango meets tropical air freshener, but the scent is definitely super pleasant. Now, as far as the high that the, TH serv- that the THC version gives you, 
I would like to say it gives you kind of like a, a slight body numb, but in a good way. Like, unlike the granddaddy perp last week, you could definitely function while you're using the THC version of Pineapple Express. Now, I'm going to jump to the similarities between the THC and the CBD version. First off, like, almost instantly, even with the CBD version, you feel hella happy and stress-free, like, super fast. It hits you quickly. Some other strains may take, you know, a few minutes, quite a few puffs to get, to get, to start feeling it. But this, I'll say the first couple of puffs and you instantly start feeling, like I said, hella happy and stress-free. Um, another thing that I tend to notice uh, when I use Pineapple Express, like I said, whether it's the THC or CBD version, my awareness, I feel like, uh, if you think about Spider-Man with his spider senses, I feel like my awareness is at an all-time high, no pun intended, and thoughts just seem to flow like I can't stop thinking. Like if I had any type of mental block and getting anything done, it's almost instantly non-existent. So I didn't want to just leave you with that because I'm sure I'm not mm, well versed in all of the benefits to the Pineapple Express strain. So I did a bit of additional research online and a lot of people say it tended to help them be more creative and focused and it helped a lot of people deal with stage fright, shyness, etc. It helped them get past that and it pushed them to actually wanna engage with people more and to be more talkative. And I never thought about it, but from my research online, Several people also mentioned that they used it before a big presentation for class or work or just during the work hours in general or any social event when they may need that extra boost just to be more social. So if you're having any kind of anxiety, not really a people person and you just need that extra, I guess, the extra boost, that extra motivation to take your social skills to the next level, like I said, I would definitely suggest um pineapple express strain and either in either the thc or cbd version but as i said last week if the thc version is what you're looking for just hit up your local dispensary give it a try and if the non-thc version is what you want just due to legalities in your state or you simply don't want to high go to your local vape shop uh, va local vape shop that you trust and check it out now an additional recommendation for those looking for the cbd variety I would say make sure it's at least 250 milligrams. I like the 500 milligram version, but so you, and I say that, no, cause I've seen it before in a 150 or 200 milligram version, but if you really wanna feel all those kinda um, euphoric creative effects that I talked about earlier, I definitely think at a minimum 250 milligrams, but like I said, I think the 500 milligrams is really where you wanna go. So, um, whatever vape shop you decide to go to, I'm sure they have some strain of Pineapple Express, but specifically ask if they have the CBD FX brand. It's a brand I've used a couple times. Um, again, that's CBD FX. I like it. I trust it. It's a solid ass product. 10 out of 10. No lie. This is not an ad. Nobody pays me for anything. So yeah, this week, be sure to try Pineapple Express in whatever way you choose to partake. You won't regret it. Now, on to our, mm, it's probably gonna be semi-fast topic of the week, 
what's in my portfolio? This is by far the question I'm asked the most. What are you investing in? And to be honest, I actually hate that question. Why? Just, just because I'm, as I said before, I'm not a financial planner and I would hate for any of you to try and replicate what I have in my portfolio and end up losing money down the road simply because I don't know your risk tolerance or your appetite for taking a loss. Um, but I'll be honest, our portfolio isn't exciting at all. Um, along with our boring portfolio, as I told you guys in the first episode, our investing strategy is just as boring. We don't chase the hot stock. We don't jump on some new up and comer. Uh, we don't look for some, listen to some stock tip that we necessarily heard from a friend or a friend or a friend or a guy in the line at the coffee shop. And I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm just telling you that for us, never has, never will be part of our strategy. What we do, again, is very, very simple. We invest money every month to the exact same stocks and funds, month after month, quarter after quarter, year after year. That's it. But to answer the question what we're investing in, our portfolio is spread out between two personal investment accounts, two 401ks, and two Roth IRAs. And all of that is really only made up of nine different investments total. Five stocks, which only make up 30% of our total portfolio, and four funds, which make up the rest. Um, so for the four stocks that we invest in, it's Apple, Ford, Exxon, AT&T, and IBM. We were fortunate enough um, to buy Apple when it was in the mid $90 range, and as of today, it's sitting at just over $213 per share, so by far, that's definitely been the bell cow, the most successful stock that we've had in our portfolio. Now for the remainder of our actual stocks, and that would be Ford, Exxon, AT&T, and IBM, um, they're high dividend earners. So if you don't know, uh, um, a stock that pays a dividend, it just pays you um, a percentage back just for owning the stock. So most of our dividend stocks pay between four and six and some change percent back. Um, so for this year, we're on track to earn just over $10,000 in dividends over the next year. And that should really help boost our portfolio um, in the coming years. And honestly, folks, that actually concludes the stock portion of our portfolio. I told you, it's pretty boring. Now on to the good stuff. The stuff that you, if you've talked to me personally, you heard me talk about with a lot of energy, and that's funds. You know that I absolutely love L-O-V-E-143 mutual funds and ETFs. Why? Because they just tend to be more stable than individual stocks, and you don't have to deal with the wild swings one way or the other that you often have to deal with with stocks. And a while ago, I heard someone compare mutual funds and ETF versus stocks in a pretty cool way, and it went something like this. Individual stocks, buying those, it's like buying a singular store in the mall. You got the whole mall, but you decide to just go buy the Verizon store. Now, if that store closes, you and your money are done, out of business, wiped out. But because mutual funds and ETFs are made up of hundreds, literally hundreds of different stocks, 
buying a mutual fund or ETF is like buying the whole mall. So if one or two stores close or your stock has a rough period, the mall, or in this example, your portfolio are still in good shape. So the four funds in our portfolio are BGT, USMV, SCHG, and VIG. Now these funds range from technology funds, which I'm pretty heavy in the technology sector. It's just something I really believe in. Um, and quite a few blue chips and large growth funds. So between the funds that we hold, um, they're made up of a lot of companies that most of you are familiar with, like Facebook, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and just, just a lot of other companies that by name you're familiar with. But they also have holdings and a lot of companies that you may not have heard of, and that's okay too. What I like most about all these funds is that they have a few, quite a few years of positive historical returns because no one can predict what the stock market is going to do, but the best predictor is really to go back and look at history. So we generally, generally like to invest in funds with at least five years of historical data. This gives us confidence to know that the company and the people managing and over, overseeing those particular funds know what they're doing. And well, that's it. That's our super duper non-exciting portfolio. So on to our monthly uh, recap. Uh, if you watch the news, you know that the market was up and down due to trade talks and different things of that nature. But with everything considered, it was a pretty um, volatile month. But the streak couldn't last forever, so for our August 19th, 2019 portfolio update, we dropped back to $620,586,000. That's a decrease of $7,933, but since we decided to start focusing on our portfolio and try to grow it to a million dollars by the year 2022, we're up right around $195,000 um, since August of 2017. So. I knew the streak couldn't last forever. We were on a really good streak. I think four months of positive gains. But as I said earlier, August was definitely a roller coaster. So being down right at $8,000 honestly seems like a win. Uh, for the month of September, no changes. Um, as I said a couple episodes ago, I'm just going to keep putting extra money to the side just in case a recession arises and I want to buy more shares of probably I'm going to go heavy into Apple um, they went down a little bit month over month just because, like I said, all the trade talks with China and China's a really big market for Apple. So I'm going to buy into that decrease. And also they have their big conference and will announce a lot of the new iPhone, other Apple products in the next couple weeks. So hopefully, you know, that'll give them a nice little instant pop in the market. But hopefully the trade talks settle down this month and the market pops up. But if not, Honestly, no worries. As you guys know, I am in it for the long game. So now, on to today's main topic. You heard me talk about it in the intro. I told you to bring your knife and fork. Bring a big appetite because we're going to talk about the $599,000 lunch. You're probably like, what the hell is he eating for $599,000? Guess what? You're probably eating that same lunch or you're on track to eat that same $599,000 lunch. 
Now, according to recent studies, including tip, Americans spend an average of $12 per day on lunch. Now, you know what you spend on lunch. Some of you may spend a little more, a little less, and some of you may spend a little more. But let's just say $12 a day on lunch. Get you a nice burger, a nice side, and a drink. Out the door. No big deal, right? Let's take a closer look at that and break that down. $12 per day for five days is $60. You know, still, not too bad. You're not starving. $60, you're still living life, feeling good. Now, the average number of work days in a month is 21 days. So right now, we're at $252 a month on lunch, or as I like to say, a portion of a car payment. Now, take that $252 a month, stretch it out over a year, we're sitting at $3,000. Ooh, now, now, now we're talk, starting to talk about some real money. Now, now let's assume a conservative working career of 30 years, right? That seems pretty that's a pretty short working career. Let's say you start working at 25, that's saying you're out at 55. But for most Americans, they're not getting out at 55. But I, like I said, let's look at a conservative number, a conservative working career of 30 years. And that number comes out to a smooth $93,744 in food on lunch. Not for your family, not dinner on a rooftop overlooking the city, not steak, not lobster, just plain old, I gotta get back to work in an hour lunch. That's 93000 almost $94,000 on lunch. Think about that. Ninety-four. You know what you could buy with $94,000? Now I know. I said the title of this topic was the $599,000 lunch. So you're probably like, how do I, how do I get to that? How did he get the $599,000? I'll tell you. Now, if you factor in the power of compound interest over 30 years, and as I always like to use for an example, assume an annual return of at least 10,000, of at least 10%, sorry. That $94,000 becomes $500,000. And $99,000. Now, now we're talking, that's over half a million dollars for not even your full work career on lunch. If you had taken that $3,000 a year over the course of 30 years with a return of 10%, that would have been $599,000 in the bank. And I'm not saying never eat out for lunch, because I get it. I eat out for lunch. I, everybody eats out for lunch. But you don't have to do it every day. So what can you do? Bring food from home, of course. Don't like leftovers. Don't like the meal prep thing. Neither do I. I can't eat the same thing two or three days in a row. It just, just doesn't sit right with my spirit. But no problem. On Sunday, just make a few small meals that you can refrigerate, freeze, pull them out here, pull them out there, make three or four different things so you can switch it up and not get bored with it. Also, set a lunch budget, but instead of using your debit card, take out cash for the month. Take out cash that equals that budget amount. Why? Because as I said in prior episodes, people tend to be a lot more conscious of what they're spending when they're actually having to reach in their wallet or their purse and they're actually seeing dollars, counting it out. Oh, 10, 20, oh crap, I spent $20 a day on lunch. 
that hits a lot harder when the actual cash comes out of your hand versus just whoop, swipe and go. Now, like again, I'm not saying don't eat, at all, eat out at all, but instead of five days a week, how about just three or maybe even two? No matter what changes you make, I promise you'll start seeing a little more money in your pockets over time. And what can you do with that extra money? You already know what I'm going to say. Pay down a bill or add it to your investment account and let compound interest work for you. And that's it. We made it. Episode 5 is a wrap. I made it through one whole hand of episodes. I greatly appreciate the listens and the feedback that I've been getting. If you like what you heard, you know the deal. Be sure to hit that subscribe and like button. And be sure to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend. And if you don't want to tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell a family member. I don't care who you tell. Just tell somebody that'll listen. Also, again, look for me on IG at weed underscore and wealth. That's weed underscore A-N-D wealth. I appreciate you guys listening. And until next week, I wish you nothing but weed and wealth. See you guys next Friday.